Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Shotgun in my hands Behind the gun I'll make my final stand Yeah And that's why they call me Welcome to Habs Unfiltered, your home for Montreal Canadiens news, information, and entertainment. Hosted by Matt Smith and the hockey writers Blaine Putvin and Treg Toxic Wilson. Our goal is to provide you unfiltered hockey discussion, entertainment, and sometimes bad life advice. And welcome back to another edition of Habs Unfiltered. I'm your host, Blaine Putvay, and I am joined this week by my co-host, Matt the Giant Hammer Smith. Good evening. That's an Air Force hammer. I mean, come on. And Treg, I wish I had that big of a hammer, Wilson. Uh, yes. No, I don't. I don't like big hammers. Well, I mean, you need a 20-pound sledge sometimes to do percussion testing on equipment. Well, I'm doing my re- renoing my basement, and I haven't used. I just use a regular hammer. Oh yeah, and an impact drill. I'm 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 screwing everything. Hmm. I'm a better screwer than a hammer. That's fair. Or... People may hear jumping and bouncing in the uh, the audio. Uh, that would be my dog going nuts upstairs. And he's done. Okay, so uh, to kick us off, I got a little bit of a brain teaser question for you. Okay. Would you rather make the final and have a 12.5% chance of winning the final or have that 12.5% chance of finishing first overall in the draft? Matt, what would you do? I think I take the draft pick with equal odds. I still think I take the draft pick. Treg, it, it's not really equal odds because you have to make it to the finals. But you're in the final the draft. So you're in the final. Oh, so you're saying? 
Well, if you're already in the final, you're not getting the pick anyway. No, but that's... You have a flawed question. No, it's not a flawed question. You have a choice. You can be in the final with a 12.5% chance of winning or have a 12.5% chance of winning first overall. Either or. It's not a... If you make the final and lose, you get the other one. No, it's an either or question. No, that's not that's not what I'm saying, but I, I don't know. I would take... I would take the final. You're in the final to win the cup. Like, I mean, if it's an either or, I take the final. So, that's what I would take. And, I mean, you're there, and you have a four to, you have a, you know, 50-50 chance to win the Stanley Cup. Dear. And, and this is the kind of thinking that fans are having right now, where, you know, the yeah, the team is up against some pretty heavy odds, but do I cheer for them to win? Do I cheer for them to lose? I don't know what to do. This is this is the dilemma that the fans, are, uh, the Canadians fans, have right now. It I'm is. Still gonna, but... I'm, I'm still going to cheer for them to win. I I, I want to see them succeed. I love to see them go as far as they can. However, if they do get out in the first round, then obviously I'm going to be cheering pretty hard to get that first overall pick. Like most fans will. The thing, reality is though, it's not just a and. It's not an either or. Like, you still have to make the finals. So, I mean, you say 12.5% chance. Montreal got a tough, 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 big hill to climb to, to reach the finals. Yeah, So, but it's, it's, a, and, it's a hypothetical, it, whereas they no, already I made the final. Yeah. No, I, I understand what you're saying. I just, I just in, in reality, with the question, I would take the final, no doubt. I would take the final no-do because you have a 50-50 chance to win on the cup. I would rather that than a draft pick, even though it's uh, a guaranteed, guaranteed probably top six all-star player first-round pick this year. There's still that chance he may not turn out, right? Well, that's the Whereas, thing. This is, this is the dilemma yeah. that, that we're facing. Matt chose the opposite. He wanted that chance at the first, and you want the chance at the cup. So that's that's what the fans are debating right now. I want the chance of the cup, but it's but based on your question. If you question it like do you want the Habs to go on a run for the cup or take the pick, I would take the pick. Do you understand what I'm saying there? Oh yeah. Yeah, like based on your question, I would take the finals because I'm either in the finals, I, I either I'm either going to the finals or I'm getting the first pick or I have a 12.5% chance of either, right? In reality, I'm going to cheer for the Habs to win. However, if they lose, I wrote an article about this, I think it would be a better long-term solution for them. Of course. Yeah, long-term, you want uh, you want those starting players with you um, yeah. for the longer period of time. So, um, with all that in mind, and keeping in mind fans are debating what's best for the team long-term, um, we're going to look at what the Canadians are playing with, with the, in the play-in. So we're going to start from the net out because apparently that's how they build teams in Montreal. Uh, Price is the clear starter. There's no question. Uh, it's the backup that the decision is going to have to be made. Are they going to bring Primo in so he can sit on the bench and watch? Or are they going to bring in Lindgren? McNiven's been looking good. Uh, Matt, what do you think? 
Uh, personally, I'd go with Primo. He was the uh, he was the best backup the Canadians had this year, just in his two games. Um, I, I doubt, obviously, we'd see him play unless something happens to Price. But um, I think it's for it's going to be good for him and his development just to be there and be in the uh, to be on the bench with the guys in this kind of uh, format. So that's who I would pick. Trey, uh, I I would pick McNevin. And I'm saying McNevin because I think he's shown in this training camp he's a better goalie than Lindgren. I'm not a Lindgren fan. I think he's better than Lindgren. Uh, I think Primo's better than Lindgren. Uh, In reality, I think they're going to go with Lindgren just because he was there in the regular season. Uh, I don't disagree with Matt with Primo uh, because unless there's an injury, no one's really going to play anyway. So it doesn't really matter who you put on the bench. but uh, I, I think they're just going to go with Lingren just for the simple fact that he was the guy that was there when the season ended. Uh, I find it humorous that Kincaid wasn't even invited. Um, and uh, uh, But I would like to see McNevin actually be the backup. That's who I'd like to see. I, I don't think it's going to happen, but that's who I'd like to see. Okay. Uh, so we're going to move on to the defense. And on defense, what we've been seeing so far in the training camp is uh, a top pairing of uh, Weber and Schrott, a second pairing of Mete and Petrie, a third pairing with Folan on the right, and on the left side they've been cycling through Juleson and Brook, and then the extras are Olofsson and Fleury. Uh, one note, there's no Alsner because he has opted out. He chose to stay home and take care of his family, which was his right, and I know that there's been some people out there spouting off that, you know, Bergeret won't trade Alsner or give him another NHL chance due to quote-unquote bad press. Well, that's just a made-up narrative. If he could have traded him, he would have. And in this case, Alsner didn't opt out because he felt he was slighted by the Canadians. He opted out for the better of his family. So let's just not make up stories and storylines to go with this. So it didn't matter. Alsner was probably not going to play anyway. My question to you, Matt, is what do you think of the pairings that we see here right now? I'd probably switch them up a little bit. I, uh, I'm i good with the top two. I'm good with Sherratt Weber. Sherratt's shown that he, could, uh, he can play a top four role, and um, he's surprised a lot of us this year. He uh, is his, his offensive side is kind of uh, flourished with the Canadians. Scored nine goals this year, which I don't think anybody really saw coming. Um, the third pair, if uh, if Kulak can't go, I wouldn't mind seeing. Um, I, I have a feeling that we're going to see Folan, but uh, I'd kind of like to see uh, Juleson and Flurry. Two young guys, two guys that can play the body, two guys that can play defensively, two guys that can uh, fill a role on the penalty kill. That's that's what I would go with personally. But it wouldn't surprise me if we saw Wallet, if we saw Folan, etc. But uh, just the fact that uh, someone like Juleson's on the ice and practicing with his teammates after the injuries that he's been through, I'd throw him in there. I think he'd be hungry for the opportunity. Well, and Juleson is uh, Juleson, uh, Julian has made comments about Juleson's play, saying that he is 
He's impressed with the pace of his play and his positioning, saying that you know for someone who's missed so much time and in development that he does not look that far out of place. So that that bodes well for him for possibly getting some playing time. Uh, Treg, what about you? Uh, the first two pairings I have no issue with. Uh, the third one, um, I'd like to see Jules in on the right side. Um, I'd also like to see Brooke and Flurry get time, but do we trust them to play on the left side, their offside, and be productive? Uh, with Alzner opting out, Kulak, maybe, maybe not playing. If Kulak's in, he's on the left side. Uh, but I, I, I can see Let playing there as well. Um, so I would go with probably Ouellette and Juleson on the third pairing. Yeah. Just to have a lefty, just to have a lefty righty. Yeah. I, I would think Ouellette would have the, uh, the inside track on being a lefty if Kulak's not there. Um, yeah. But, uh, if Kulak were to be there, I would want Juleson or Fleury kind of like, you know, one of those two, uh, because they play this, they play a similar game. They can both. Like like Matt said, play on the penalty kill. They're physical. They can move move well. They can move the puck well. So they would uh, they would they'd be a good fit on that side. Without a Kulak, then, I think yeah, Ju- then all of Sinoli- I think Juleson's more redefined than uh, than Flurry. I think. Well, because of his he only missed the time because of his injury. I think he's more developed, a little bit more. Uh, not think taken away from Flurry. I just the experience that Juleson has, even though he was out for almost a year, year and a half with his injuries, uh, I think he get the little, the upper hand, just a slight edge there on Fleury. Maybe, but the bottom line is they both play a similar style. So one or the other are going to be in there and they're going to bring basically the same type of game is, is the point I was getting to. Um, and on the left side, yeah, Wynette would probably have the inside track, but I, I think Olofsson uh, might get some playing time in there as well. Um, but we'll see how it works out with uh, with Kulak because he is quote unquote unable to practice, which is the NHL vernacular for probably tested positive oh. for COVID. Yeah. And it'd be interesting to know who the false negative, the false positives were. Well, the two players that were sitting out the same day and then suddenly came back the following day. So, Brooke and Wynette. Those are the other two. Yeah, that's what that's what I figured it was. I'm yeah. just, but we're we're just basing that on guesstimation at this point because, as per NHL regulations, teams will not state who got a positive. Doesn't matter. And they shouldn't have to. Well, it doesn't matter how much people in the media complain about. Hey, we need to know this. They're not going to give it to you. Uh, Bergevin's had what three press conferences and he's repeated himself seven times in each the league has mandated it this way I'm sure the team loves the fact that the league has mandated it in such a way that they don't have to give information but that's beside the point they don't have to give it so we'll move on to uh, we'll move on to the forward group because this is going to be the big one uh, for this segment so the uh, the top line is clearly going to be Tatar, Deno, and Gallagher. There's there's no ifs, ands, or buts there. They were the top line on that team all year. They're one of the top possession lines in the NHL. I can't see why they would change that up, especially with Deno being one of the top uh, 
he is the top defensive center that the Canadians have, and he's in the top 10, I would say, of defensive centers in the league right now. So he's going to face Analytically, off. Yeah. based on what I read on Twitter, he's number one. Yeah, so he's obviously going to be the guy they pair up against Crosby. So that's going to be your top line. Boom. The second line, this is where things get start to get a little bit tricky. Um, Drouin, Suzuki, and Armia. Now, Suzuki does have good defensive analytics. And uh, Julian does like him defensively. So he's probably going to be the one matched up against Malkin. Um, the third line, uh, Byron on the wing, Lekkanen on the wing, and it looks like Kotniemi has worked his way back into third line center role, uh, with his, with his increased pace and his increased speed. And, uh, he seems to have a little bit more confidence. So that, that's boding well. Uh, the fourth line is the Dutch Gretzky, Dale Weiss himself, uh, Jordan Wheel and Evans on the uh, right side. With the spares of Paling, Udon, Belzil, and Dauphin. So I'm going to start with you, Matt. Putting aside the first line, what do you think of the rest of the lines? Well, going off of uh, the lines that we have right now, um, without Domi being uh, available at the moment, I don't. I don't have any issue with the lines. Um, I think that uh, Drew Suzuki Aramiya would give a good mix of scoring and defense. Um, then your Byron Kakaniemi Lekkanen line would be the same. Would give you some speed on the wing. Uh, would give you some forecheck and maybe give uh, a little bit of an easier matchup to Kakaniemi as he comes back from uh, from injury. And then the uh, the fourth line I'm happy with as well. You get a, a veteran guy in Weiss. With uh, with Jordan Wheel and Jake Evans, and I, I believe Evans impressed during his uh, you know 10, 15 games, whatever it was with the Canadians. I think he I think he looked good out there, and he's a guy that can come in and uh, he can play a center role as well if uh, if they deem Evans isn't or uh, that Wheel isn't um, isn't good for that position, and they can just kind of swap out if need be. Okay, uh, and Treg, what about you? Uh, yeah, I mean, the first two lines, I like the Suzuki, Armia, Drouin line. Uh, without Domi there, uh, that seems like a more sensible line. Kotkaniemi, uh, Byron, and uh, Lekkanen will be a, a good, fast, uh, great defensive line. Uh, and uh, the fourth line, I kind of like the fourth line, but I, I think... Uh, I think I'd like to see like a, a natural winger there instead of Evans, like maybe a Houdon. Uh, but I also be interested to see um, them pairing Houdon with with Kotkiniemi, just for the simple fact that they click so well in the AHL that maybe it could spark something as well in the playoffs. So I just don't know who you would take off that third line to put Houdon in there. Byron maybe. I like Lekin in there. So that would be my only Houdon. I think is the wild card in this whole thing, and. Uh, if he can click in training camp and him and Cotgivney can have that uh, chemistry that they had in the AHL, that could be a that could be a pretty potent line. Yeah, I don't I don't know about uh, trying to move Byron out of the way just to put in Udon. Uh, I would rather. Well, that's have, that's that's, that's the him. issue, yeah. right? I'd rather yeah. have Byron anyway. He's he's more yeah. he's more proven in the NHL level. 
He's got better speed. He's uh, he's smarter defensively. He can play on the penalty kill. Um, so yeah, I, I would I would definitely not move Byron out just to bring nope. in Udo. And and that and that's the issue with that. But I just think maybe if they're down, you know, two games to none, and they got nothing to lose. You know, try to put something in that clicks. I'm, I'm just, I'm just going back yeah. to the chemistry that Kotkaniemi and Hudon had. I don't want to see Kotkaniemi drop to a fourth line just to play with Hudon. And I agree, I don't see Hudon replacing anyone on that third line. So I don't see it happening. I just think it'd be kind of a, a neat strategy to try if you're against the wall or if you're up two games to none and you just want to try something. Well, in in my view, if they're going to do something just to try it, I don't think they're going to bring in a guy that I believe has no future with the Canadians. His contract's up this year. I just don't see them qualifying him. Uh, so I would, if they were going to bring somebody in just to try something, my guess would be it would be a Paling or a Dauphin. More than likely Paling, just to give the young guys some experience. Because let's be honest, uh, this series, that's basically the big bonus in this. The chances of the Canadians actually winning this series are low. So why not give the young guys some experience in a playoff setting? Well, who do you take out, though? Well, Weiss and Wheel? Yeah, sure. Yeah, if you're going to just change things just to try something different, sure. You can make changes on the fourth line and then shuffle guys around here and there. I don't see why not. Because, I mean, your top, your top two lines you're not going to touch no matter what. Yeah, unless so, unless one of them's hurt. I mean, yeah. our, may, our Mia may be move up and down with like say Byron or Lekkinen depending on what you want. Yeah. Uh, you know, to put that finish line together again. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I, I, the problem with Montreal is once you get past, I mean, the third line looks pretty good, but that fourth line looks dreadful. And same with the third pairing D like the Montreal does not have the depth because they traded it away. Do. Because they traded away, and and right, rightfully so at the time. Yeah. Right. Like right, rightfully so, and uh, so for them to do a long playoff run, and this is why we go back to your question at the first, right? It was just a hypothetical, knowing no, full well yeah, what the answers it. were. Yeah, but if if a fan's really looking at, do I want a cup run or do I want this? If you look logically, the cup run just it's not realistic. Well, no, but it was it's to, just not. to set your mind yeah. to you're in the final already. It's happened. You're there. You're so you have a twelve percent chance of winning versus ah you lost. Now you have twelve percent chance of getting first. That was no, I get it. I'm not. That was. I'm not saying that's about the question. I'm just saying realistically, like never mind the question. Well, realistic, realistically, realistically, they're not going to get past the Penguins. Well, they could. It's a short sure. series, and you never know with Carey Price. So personally, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they got past the first round. I don't think they will, but I wouldn't be surprised. But I don't think it's the best thing for the team. And I hate to say that because I would love to see him do a cup run. And everyone's like, well, 2010, 2014. But if you look at the seasons after 2010, 2014, the team took steps backwards, not forwards. That's right. So uh, I, I don't know. I just And the team right now is not a playoff team. They're not a playoff team. And what are you talking not... about? They're they're in a play-in right now, and it's considered playoffs, yeah. so it's got to be a playoff team. My God. The stats, the stats are considered playoffs. The play-ins uh, uh, are not considered uh, playoffs. If the stats are considered playoffs, the games are considered playoffs, uh, so it must be playoffs. Well, in that case, uh, Bergevin has made the playoffs 
every year but three. Oh yeah, yeah. He built a five out of woo. five out of his eight years. He made the playoffs. And Julian, why isn't he up for the uh, the uh, the Adams Trophy? <laughs> Holy cow! Taking a team all the way to twenty fourth overall. Woo! I'm kind of just I'm kind of disappointed Suzuki's not up for the Calder. I want to see where he finished in the voting though, because I know Kubelik, yeah. he got thirty goals, and that's a big deal. So I don't think it is. I don't think Suzuki's too far behind. I would think he's in the top five. So I'd let. How many points did Kubelik have? Uh, he he pulled a Cy like, Young. But he had like thirty. He had like thirty goals, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, but how many points did he 45. have? Forty-five. So Suzuki had more points. No, didn't he? Less. I thought Suzuki had forty-seven points. Forty-one. He was forty-one. Oh, okay. All right. No, okay. Kubel- I'm not saying Kublik's not a bad pick. I'm just no. disappointed it wasn't Suzuki. But Kublik's a little bit older, a little bit more seasoned, and yeah. he got the If he doesn't win, and he won't win the Calder, at least he got himself About- the Cy Young of hockey players. Th- yeah. Thirty goals, fifteen assists. There you go. Personally, I thought that uh, someone like Adam Fox might squeak in there. Yeah. Yeah, Fox had to a be bad. honest. Yeah. 40-some points as a first-year defenseman. It's not too bad. Nope. Well, Makar's win. doesn't matter anyway. Makar's winning it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But I, I would think Suzuki's up there. Probably top five. Yeah, I'd say oh, so. Yeah. I'd say he was, he was probably fifth. Yeah, fifth or fourth. Fourth or fifth. But even if he's One not. Other. Whatever. I don't give a shit. Whatever. <laughs> he's gonna. Uh, he, he's looking like he's turning into a very, very good young player. Um, our friend... Uh, Jason Paul uh, over at uh, at uh, waveintel.net, he uh, he likens his his style of game to Iserman. So if he turns into half of what Iserman was, I think we got ourselves a gamer. Yeah, I think we have one now. So yeah, I mean he fi- he finished he'll fin- he would have finished this season with approximately fifty points, almost. We'll say I'll say forty six, forty seven points. Yeah, in a, in a rookie campaign. Yeah. They had what eleven nine games left, nine thirteen, thirteen games left. He could have got nine points in thirteen games. He got fifty points. I think so. I think so. And I think that's a fairly good rookie camp. Considering considering Jack Hughes had what twenty three points this season. Uh, yeah, something like that. He had injury, but still. And then you have the boss Kotkaniemi had thirty what three thirty one points last year. Total as bust. A, as an 18 year old, and he's just a total bust. Total bust. I don't know why we drafted him. <laughs> We're getting off the rails. If I sound tired, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm work back to work this week, and I've been working on my basement and going to the gym, and I'm just, by this time of the night, I'm exhausted. Well, we know your legs aren't because you don't do those. I had leg day today. So oh, you walked up some stairs. Oh, okay. You say so. Mm-hmm. I'm not. Uh, well, how do we know? I don't, I, how do we know what you did? Because you didn't take a gym selfie. Well, you guys pitched about gym selfies, so I stopped taking them. <laughs> Matt's quiet over there. I just, I'm just smiling. I'm just smiling at the <laughs> mic right now. <laughs> Matt's just looking at himself in the mirror. Going. I do. I tend to do that every now and then, to be honest. <laughs> Gives himself a little wink. Yeah, look oh, at yeah. that beard. <laughs> yeah, that's all. That's, that's all I've got going for me, really. So. <laughs> it's the ladies in the neighborhood are spying through their uh, with binoculars through his windows trying to get a yeah, glimpse. So that's why I got blackout curtains now. <laughs> especially, especially when he's using the lawnmower 3.0 from Manscape. Oh, <laughs> I, I use mine tonight just before this show. 
which would be why you're you're going so fast on it. Yeah, it must be. It's amazing. It's an amazing product, and the ball toner is perfect. <laughs> oh my god! Awesome. Um, speaking of sponsors, we uh, we have a contest that we're going to put together with our with our partners over at No Name Hockey. So sometime in the next week, we're going to put together a little bit of a contest, and the winner is going to get $50 that they can use to buy no-name hockey products. Woohoo! I have to admit, their stuff is really good, so you'll love it. They got t-shirts, they got hats, they got hockey equipment. It's it's a one-stop shop, and you can buy it online, and they deliver. So not bad. Right to your house? Right to your house. Sweet. And, uh... So I guess we'll we'll call this segment here, and when we come back from the other side, we're going to be joined by the Hockey Writer's own Nick Horwat, who's a uh, Penguins writer for, as I mentioned, the Hockey Writers. Uh, so sit back, relax, and on the other side of the break, Nick Horwat is going to fill your head with Penn's knowledge. I can't wait. Support for Habs Unfiltered is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Big news! Manscaped just launched in Canada. For those listeners in Canada, you can be one of the first Canadians to experience their life-changing products. Myself, Treg, and Matt have all had trimming accidents. It happens. Every man has there's nothing to be ashamed of. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team perfected the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and have their new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. The water-resistant technology allows you to groom in the shower. One of the coolest features is the LED light which illuminates grooming areas for closer and more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. If you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim that junk yours. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code UNFILTERED20 at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Do you have a problem getting big city slams? Are you not getting the gains at the gym? Well, don't mortgage your future on rental supplements. Get Bergy Arms. Bergy Arms will get you the gains you need. Bergy Arms gets rid of all the bad attitude and builds better character so you can get the gains you need. Get Bergy Arms, Bergy Arms, Bergy Arms today. Not a real project. May make you trade your favorite player for a mountain man. Do not use, if you're healthy, if you want it loyalty, buy a dog. Are you in the market for quality sticks and equipment you can afford? There is a no-frills, no-nonsense company that wants to provide that to you, No Name Hockey. 
No Name Hockey is a small Canadian company started by former pro player Jason Goulet. When he retired, he searched for sticks that felt like when he was a pro but could never find the right one or one that was reasonably priced. So he decided to start No Name Hockey. Now No Name offers high quality, customized sticks at a fair price. They won't try to wow you with a fancy name. They will focus on providing you a pro stock quality stick that you can afford. The cost of sticks has gone through the roof due to sponsorships and licensing fees. No Name Hockey makes sticks for the no names and players currently making a name. Three, two, one. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered. I'm your host, Blaine Pudvay. Uh, my co-hosts, Treg Wilson and Matt Smith, are unable to join us today as they are too busy getting their beards trimmed and their hair done. Uh, I am joined this week by hockey writer, uh, hockey writers, Penguins writer, and host of the podcast, Tip of the Iceberg, Nick Horwat. Welcome to the show, Nick. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, it's great to be on here. And also, thanks for getting my name right. A lot of people don't usually get Horwat correctly on the first try. I mean, I've been dealing with that my whole life. But, um, yeah, it's good to be on. I know Penguins and uh, Montreal Canadiens going to be battling it out eventually here come restart time. And um, it'll be an interesting series, to say the least, I'd say. Oh, it should be fun. I mean, just the fact that hockey's back. I mean, those uh, that unexpected off season kind of hurts. So, it I'm excited to come uh, to to watch, just to watch. Yeah, just having hockey back is what a lot of people have been looking forward to, no matter who's playing who. I mean, I think they're doing exhibition games, which even I'm you know excited to watch because even even during preseason time, like I'm always involved in seeing what kind of preseason players come up to play for the Penguins and what features they could have, and you know I'm excited for any sort of hockey, um, especially this kind now that it's going to be a completely different atmosphere with you know there being no crowd everyone being in the same city and um just this whole new environment it's gonna be so interesting to watch it i'm very intrigued by it and hopefully the sport is just as good hopefully it's the same kind of quality play that we've been seeing all season it's been a you know great season for a lot of teams and montreal one of them they were turning around they were getting a bit of a hot streak going i think at some point and you know picking up kovalchuk was huge for you guys i'd say yeah he really helped um for the short time that he was there before he got traded away. Um, but yeah, no, I, just to see the team show up, it's going to be kind of like a throwback to when they were kids and uh, playing in those tournaments. You know, you'd go to these tournaments out of town and you'd stay in a hotel with your buddies. So it, it kind of feel it has that same feel. So I don't know, that nostalgic feeling that they have, maybe that'll that'll help it along. And these guys are pros. I mean, they're going to they're going to come out and they're going to play as hard as they can. Granted, like you mentioned, without the crowd, you don't have that extra adrenaline pump. But, you know, team... I mean, I know a lot of guys are just dying to get back on the ice one way or the other. Some of them a little more hesitant. But, I mean, that's just the way it is, especially in this era. I know, you know, even whenever it comes to just working, like around Pittsburgh here, some people are dying just to get back to work while others are trying to coast out and ride as long as they can without working. But... Um, and the same goes for professional athletes. They will try their hardest because that is what they are paid to do. It's what they want to do. They want to win. Even if losing could mean, you know, the first overall pick, which is a whole other topic. But, no, these guys are out here to win. They want to win the Stanley Cup. And I'm sure that drive will be there and we'll have great hockey to watch. 
Oh, guaranteed, guaranteed. And the added drama of these shorter series for the play-in, I think uh, uh, the NHL knew what it was doing by adding the larger markets. They they pushed it so that they can have you know teams like the Rangers and Chicago and Montreal for the larger hockey markets to be added in. But all in all, I mean, this is going to be when you're looking at 14 hours a day of hockey, uh, the hockey nuts are going to it, it just pipe it into our veins, man. Just sit down and watch it all. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a great time, especially with it being um, you know, that long of a time. And it's all this time off that we've had. It's going to be great to watch. I mean, everyone's well-rested. Everyone's getting healthy. Um, I know players getting healthy was a big help for the Penguins, at least. Yeah, and I'm gonna. Uh, that's I wanted to jump right in on that. Uh, the Penguins mm-hmm. are clearly cup contenders. They have been for a while. Um, yep. They've had several injuries through the years. Now, just to give my listeners, who are Canadians fans, a little bit of a background. Right now, Gensel and Bugstad were the uh, the lone holdouts on the injury front. What does it look like for health for the uh, the Penguins now? Well, start with the and Bugstad is. Shelf. He's out for the remainder of the season um, and postseason, whatever it may be. Simone's another one. He had an injury toward the end, Dominic Simone, toward the end of, I think it was the San Jose Sharks game that took him out. But I guess he's going to be out for six to seven months now. So he could be out into next season even. Um, but as for Jake Gensel, he'll be back and you know, his shoulders are paired. As for if it's the same, we're yet to see a gameplay yet. But um, he should be back, and him coming back to the lineup should be huge. He was in the midst of a career year. I mean, in his short career, but it's it was a, it was a season that he could have kept up with some of the top goal scorers in the league, um, like Ovechkin, like Kucherov. I mean, I'm not saying he could have beaten them, but I'm saying that whenever he's playing with Crosby, you know, he has a great connection with with Crosby. He's able to score goals, and even whenever Crosby was hurt, you know, Gensel was able to play with Evgeny Malkin and still be able to produce and score goals like um, like he's supposed to do. And what he's been doing, he's growing into one of the top goal scorers in the league. And seeing that continue will be great if he's able to come back fully healthy and you know, play to his potential like he has been. Uh, he's going to be a scoring threat, whether he's playing on the top line with Crosby or on the second one with um, Evgeny Malkin and Brian Rust, too. Brian Rusk has been healthy for a majority of the season. He had an injury early on, but he also came into his own. He led the team in goals this season with 27 and, you know, in just 55 games. If he had a full season, I mean, I'm not saying 40, but 35 plus for sure for that guy as well. Now, with uh, with Bukestad out, um, Jared McCann has stepped up and took his position as a third-line center. How has he looked and how has he fared uh, in that role? He's fared really well. The Penguins organization, the Penguins fans love him as for what he's done. He was a throw-in on that trade originally to get Bukestad, but um, he has turned out to be the piece of that trade that we admire most and want to keep around the most. Um, he's been able to play every spot in the lineup, you know, one through four lines and uh, both wings and now a center. And he's filled into the third line center role and he's playing it to the best of his abilities. We know he can be a sneaky goal scorer when he needs to. He's a clutch guy as well. Um, I don't off the top of my head. I can't remember if he was one of the ones, but he, there was a long, long list of players on the Penguins who had uh, four game-winning goals, and I think he was one of them. So you know he's got a sneaky scoring ability as well. I mean, 
he's not just a young third line center, but I mean, he's got that sneaky ability to put pucks in the net and kill penalties when need be, which is another huge thing with this team. That we like having guys that can play both ends of the ice, and he's one of them as well. Now, another aspect that uh, Canadians fans may not realize is that the Habs were selling. They sold a bunch of parts. But at the trade deadline, Pittsburgh added a bunch of players and quite a few impact players, can, such as uh, Zucker, Marlowe, and even Connor Sheary. Um, what do you think those guys are going to do for the Pens lineup? I mean, we've had all this time off, and they, those guys haven't played much. I, For a little while, I forgot we had Patrick Marlowe on the Penguins. Um, it'd be great to see him, you know, first of all, play with us, and I'm sure he will. He'll be a top, maybe even like on the second line with Malkin, third line with McCann. Um, seeing, seeing him produce in a Penguin uniform would be phenomenal. I know he still has it. He still has the legs under him. He's got some speed still. And a shot doesn't go anywhere with age. So he should be able to produce with us. Jason Zucker is the big one that I think we got um, at the trade deadline. He's been able to play with Crosby um, and have a great connection immediately. You know, in just a handful of games with Pittsburgh, Jason Zucker has been one of the top, you know, point getters, goal scorers, playing alongside Sidney Crosby. Um, but whenever we, you know, traded for Connor Sheary, the return of Connor Sheary, he – was immediately put up with Crosby. So a top line of Crosby, Sheary, Zucker going into the playoffs, you know, it's not a bad idea and it should, you know, fare pretty well for the Penguins. And, um, you know, like I said, the Crosby-Zucker connection is one that could be one of the top ones in the league if it continues into the playoffs and into the next season even. Now, uh, going over the lines, like you mentioned Zucker with uh, Crosby, Rust, and Malkin, Gensel kind of bouncing around a little bit. Um the depth on that team, when you're looking at the third line, um, what kind of impact are you expecting at five-on-five? Five? Because the Canadians were the second-best five-on-five team. However, Pittsburgh was right behind them with uh, shots uh, shots generated. What are you expecting? I mean, all four of our lines can go in a way. I mean, we, like I said, Crosby and Malkin are, you know, top talents in the world at all times almost. So we know what they can do. McCann being a third line, you know, a sneaky goal scorer and a guy who can play defense on the third with, he could play with like Patrick Hornquist who will get under your skin and annoy you and open up lanes for McCann. But our fourth line or third line, however they sit, you know, that particular day of Teddy Bluger at center and Jack Aston Reese and Brandon Tanov on the wings is one of the best shutdown lines in the league. Um, they're not out there to score goals. They're not out there to make the pretty plays, but they're out there to pretty much play defense and shut down any opposing offense um, and you know keep the play going in the Penguins' favor. They come out for a couple of seconds, you know, grind the puck out of their end, out of their end, and you know maybe get a chance and then you know right back off the ice they go. They're a great gap stop. They shut down anything. In fact, I just did a. Uh, an episode of Tip of the Iceberg with um, Jay Fresh, who's like an analytics Twitter guy, um, who said that Zach Aston Reese had some of the best defensive stats in the league for a forward, um, even boasting better than most defensemen in the league. So Zach Aston Reese himself can, you know, shut down opposing offenses much as much as good as a as a defenseman. Now, 
obviously five on five, the Penguins are a dangerous team. And you, you, you kind of touched on special teams a little bit, but I wanted to point towards the power play. Uh, even though despite all the injuries, uh, they still have, uh, hovered around 20%. Now everyone's back healthy. What kind of setup are, you gonna, uh, are we going to see for their power plays? And what kind of output are you expecting? Our power play has been interesting this year. I know at times, you know, we're firing all cylinders on the power play, but we win a couple of games multiple times in a row with, uh, with no power play goals. And, you know, it's strange seeing that when they're trotting out Crosby, Malkin, you know, Latang, at least on the first power play unit. Then after that, you throw in Genzel out there and maybe Patrick Orquist is a net front guy. Um, that's what I would expect from a first unit, at least. Um, but they should be able to chip pucks in and really be able to attack the net. Um, they just can't get too fancy with it. As long as they're shooting the puck, getting Carey Price moving, um, you know, power play goal should come for them. And a second unit of, you know, McCann, Rust, maybe Marlowe, and then Justin Schultz, who can quarterback a power play just as well on his own. You know, it's, these are guys that, should be able to score goals, and I expect them to be a little better than what they were this season, at least. Like I said, I know we went on some droughts in the power play, but um, you know, turning it around with some good balance and some good goal-scoring ability out there, it's, it's a scary power play, and it always has been. Are they using a, a, an umbrella system of one three one, or are they reliant on cross-seam passes? Like uh, the, the layout of the power play, that's, that's that interests me to see how they're going to, they're going to set that up. I actually don't know too much about layouts and stuff like that. I know Latang's usually the only one on the blue line, if that helps you with the design of it at all. Yeah. Um, Malkin's usually roving up and down. He'll go to a point sometimes and he's usually down by a sideboard, but you know, that is one thing about our power plays that we do try and do those cross ice passes from, Malkin on one sideboard to Crosby on the other and try and connect that. And that's usually been our issue. So if that changes, things could change out and, you know, be a little more positive. But that's usually what we do. We go for the whole cross-ice pass, one one into the other. Um, and then sometimes feeding it to the net front guy. It's, it's an interesting system. I mean, like I said, I don't know much about the systems of it. I mean, I didn't grow up playing hockey, but I understand as much as I can and, that's just what I'm seeing, picking up from it. And, you know, passing around has been our game on the power play. Okay. We'll waste time, we'll waste time, wait for the perfect shot. And, um, you know, it's, it'll be strange, but if they can fix up, you know, their passing ability and, you know, actually get through the crowd of Canadians, then um, that's usually what they'll shoot for. Okay. And, and moving over to the penalty kill, I know you mentioned a little bit about it. Um, their, their top unit of Tanev and Bluger, um, they're one of the top units in the league. Uh, what do you, what do you, do you think they match up well with uh, the Canadian speed system or do you expect any hardships or domination? Um, I think they match up pretty well. I know Brandon Tanev is a very underrated speedy guy. He's one of the fastest ones on the Penguins when it comes to foot speed. He's able to get up and down the ice and you know be back in any play that he may have you know fallen out of. <clears throat> Excuse me, but you know it's he's a guy that 
when the Penguins got, we signed for for a long term for pretty high chunk of money. Um, that has paid in full for us. He's been one of our better players defensively, as well as having you know a sneaky ability to score. He's one of he's the top hitter on the team. He laid the most hits this season, and you know he's able to block shots. He's one of the, like you mentioned, one of the better penalty killers, um, along with um, Teddy Bluger, who you know. Snuck in the season as the fourth center, and that's a perfect spot for him. He's still young. He has his room to grow if he wants to become you know, something more than that. But for now, him playing the fourth line depth role and being a defensive forward is a perfect spot for him. It's what he can do very well. Um, he's also pretty fleet of foot. He's not a huge guy, so he's got you know the ability to move around pretty easily. And, you know, him and Tana work pretty well together. That's why they're on the same line on the penalty kill and on the five-on-five play. All right. And, and defensively, uh, looking at the, uh, the the Penguins lineup, I mean, Chris Letang is a household name. Beyond him, not many people know much about the Penguins' blue line. Um, what about John Marino? I mean, there's been a lot of talk out of Pittsburgh how well he has adjusted to playing with the Penguins. Uh, do you see him as uh, a possible uh, wild card in this series? I'd say so, yeah. Whenever the season was going along this year, you know, we were battling injuries all up and down the lineup, and that you know hit our defense pretty hard to the point where, I mean, he was one of them to be hurt at some point too, but, you know, Dumoulin went down, Latang went down for a game or two, I think, and no matter where John Marino was placed in the lineup, he was able to play to the best of his ability. Um, from beginning from the beginning of the season to the end, he was one of our most stout defensemen. Um, was able to rack up 20 assists as well. And, you know, no one really expected much, I think. So I think we may have been blown out of the water by what he was able to do in the first place. But seeing that he was able to make the team out of camp, um, and be a top defenseman on this team with a team that has Justin Schultz, who, you know, we praised a couple of years ago for being one of our better defensemen, scoring defensemen that, you know, Penguins had almost ever seen. And you know, he's, you know, Schultz has regressed pretty hard with injuries. Jack Johnson being on the team is not helping anything much. And John Reno slid in as, you know, a guy that we can look at and saying we, you know, he's 22. We want to keep him around longer term, and hope that he's able to continue to play to these abilities. He's got 26 points for his rookie season, and um, I was on the boat of if he had a full season with no injuries or, um, you know, this lock and this not lock out, but this you know, partial break here. I'm not saying he would have won it, but I'm saying. It's hard to win it this year, but being in contention for a Rookie of the Year uh, Calder candidate wasn't out of reach for him. Okay. Now, he's been paired with uh, Marcus Pedersen for a while now, and that second pairing, do you, do you, because of the youth, because of their, their inexperience, do you see uh, any issues that may arise in a playoffs-type series where their inexperience might be a factor? Um, I wouldn't say too much. I know Patterson, he played with us in the playoffs last year where, you know, we got swept in four. So he's got at least a couple of playoff games under his belt. 
Um, not exactly what you'd want to see from it, but you know, it's it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I know there are guys who might be able to rise to the occasion. Though. They've been pretty stout defensively for us all season. Um, I'd say Patterson's kind of the weaker of the two on, out of those two, though. Um, just for you know, yeah, it's every time I see him play, it seems like there's something going on with him that's a little off-putting. But you know, we signed him to a longer term deal so we like what he can do and he's going to be around for a while and now's the time to prove that it's worth it and that he deserves to be here you know making his money making his turn making his years and I mean I believe he can do it he's going to be a stout defenseman for us one way or the other he's a great puck mover you know I'm not usually one for looking for goal scoring on the blue line so I like what he does on this team as you know being able to stop a rush and move the puck around as best he can. Now these guys are uh, the, the, uh, the Penguins blue line isn't an overly physical blue line. However, they are fairly mobile. Um, outside of the well-known Chris Letang, what kind of, uh, transition game do you see coming from them? I think Brian Dumoulin, his Chris Letang partner is one of the better ones in the game as well. It's, He's not a guy you think of as a goal scorer by any stretch of the means. He, you know, rarely gets assists even. But he's a guy that is the prototypical stay-at-home defenseman, and that's and that plays really well with you know Latang, who's up there pinching every chance he gets, and you know trying to be the offensive uh, defenseman that he is. Brian Dumoulin is able to counter that very well with being one of the top defensive defensemen um, in the league. Behind that, even though Justin Schultz getting demoted to a third pairing um, could help him in a way because I think he's faltering off in his skill a little bit. He, we know he used to be a goal scorer on the blue line, but you know now he's kind of had to play more defense to you know keep his head in the game. Um, our one flop that you know you know Pittsburgh fans enough, we know that Jack Johnson is not anyone's favorite. But um, for what it's worth, Jack Johnson likes to at least play the body. And, you know, he can throw a hit when he needs to and you know, be a guy to block shots. And if he's playing in the right role and not on the top line like he has been for a part of the season because of Dumoulin's injury, um, he's a guy that is able to be a pretty decent defenseman. I mean, we're not, not talking, you know, goals or assists, but you know, the defensive play of the game, blocking shots, getting hits, breaking up rushes, and getting it out, which is what his role basically is anymore. And, um, you know, he's not the same player he used to be. I could say that. But if he's going to be here, we may as well play him to his correct role, and that's his third line, you know, pairing. And after that, our depth guys like Chad Ruedel and Yusuf Rico, we haven't seen much of, but – they're guys that we like having around. Chad Ruedel especially, we like, you know, being the seventh defenseman to come in and just be another shutdown guy like Brian Dumoulin. Not there to score points, but there to, you know, take away the offensive rush. Okay, and I, I left this uh, for the last because there's it's one of the rare pieces of controversy in the Penguins lineup, and that's goaltending. So, uh <laughs> Tristan Jerry kind of stole the show through the season and now apparently Matt Murray is going to be getting the nod for starting in net. Um, 
How does that work for the Penguins? Yeah, goaltending controversies have been the Penguins' MO since 2016, it seems, even before that. This, this is something we've seen before, that we're going to have a backup that gets hot, and who do we play come playoffs? I mean, I think the Penguins' ideal has always been go with the old guard first and then hope that – not hope that he can you know, return to form, but know that he has the ability to – be a number one goalie and you know win games for us. A shortened series for Murray might be helpful because he can string together two, three wins right away and be fine and move on and have this confidence built back up. Whereas you know, Tristan Jari has never played a NHL playoff game and he's a little more inexperienced and you know we know he can win games, but we don't know what he can do in this sort of environment. It's going to be strange for everyone. Um, my idea is we'll start with Murray and, you know, be ready. If we have to change after a first game, change it immediately and, you know, play from behind, which is something the Penguins can do phenomenally. We've, we had a lot of comeback games this season. And I, was, I know a series and a game are completely different, but, you know, the Penguins can be the underdog Penguins and can be a – you know, come from behind team. It's something we've been doing all season. We've been doing it for years, and we have the ability to change quickly if Murray. I know. So we're talking about the uh, the goaltending. Um, now the you mentioned the uh, the age of the team. How much of a window do you feel remains for Sid, Gino, and uh, and Latang? I mean, it's definitely not much. I know a lot of people in Pittsburgh at least say as long as they're on this team, you know we're a sure fire shot for at least getting a chance at the Stanley Cup. Um, one thing I always look at when it comes to, you know, people's longevity here is their contracts. I know after this season, if Kenny Malkin has got a pair of seasons left with us, um, or at least under his deal, I think he wants to stay past it for sure. Um, and as long as their play doesn't diminish, I mean, Crosby at only 32, Malkin and Latang at 33, it's, these are guys that you know could put up five, six more at least decent seasons and be still world killers almost. I mean, Crosby might be able to go past five or six for sure, but um, it all depends, I guess, on how much they end up they regress. But as long as they're able to continue to build a solid winning team around them, and, you know, and bring in these young players that can hold on to a future themselves, like. And then we're all excited for the future with Jake Ensel. I mean, he's locked in for a couple of years now, and he's only 25. A lot of people think he could be, you know, the next captain of this team going forward. He can be the guy that doesn't take Crosby's place, but is able to you know, play with him for as much as he can, learn from him, and then go on to become our next star. Um, 
Malkin's a guy that, you know, he might regress quicker. I don't know just the feeling I'm getting that he could regress, regress quicker than Crosby might. But seeing him after his contract this year means that, you know, he could go on to be a great player, you know, a great Hall of Famer even. That it'll just depend on what go, what happens going forward. I'd say they still have a good couple years left in their in themselves. Though. They they all know they can do it. They all know they can win. They all know they're some of the best in the world. And like I said, as long as they're able to continue to build a team around them, you know, that has the hunger as much as they do that wants to win. They're a team that you know should be fighting for playoff spots and Stanley Cups every year for a long time coming. Still. Now for the fun part of the show. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of a prediction. So uh, my listeners know what my call is. I'm expecting a Penguins victory in four games, but all the games being close. What is your prediction? You know, I feel like Penguins and four has been a popular one, and I can't say I disagree too much. I like Penguins and four as well. I mean, I know Carey Price is going to be a game changer for Montreal, and I mean, hell, he gets hot, he could steal the whole series if he wanted to. Um, but I just think the Penguins' firepower can probably outdo it. Um, and if we're able to buckle down ourselves, you know, we might lose one game because Carey Price is still Carey Price, and um, I don't see him getting swept anytime soon still. So Penguins and four seems to be the way to go, and I'm going to have to roll on with that one as well in a three. And um, it'll be a fun series regardless. I think it'll be close games as well. Um, I'm not sure about if they're going to be close in high scoring or low scoring, but only time will tell on that. But definitely Penguins in four in close games. Okay. And before we let you go, uh, is there anything you'd like to, uh, you can tell my listeners where to find you, anything you want to plug? The floor is yours. Uh, yeah, just, you know, I write for the hockey writers here. And also there's my podcast called the, the Tip of the Iceberg with the Hockey Podcast Network. Um, it should just be Iceberg Pod on Twitter, and you can find me on Twitter just at NickHorwat41. And you know, it's right here working, trying to write about hockey, talk about hockey, and it's finally coming back. This break's going to be over soon, and there'll be some good times to be had. Well, Nick, I I really appreciate you coming on the show, so thank you very much, and uh, I'm hoping we can talk to you again before the series is out. All right, yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. I'd love to be back on. And that concludes another episode of Habs Unfiltered. We would like to thank all our listeners, old and new, for joining us. We hope you were informed and entertained. And always remember, if you are talking about it, so are we. Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. 
I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.